0: This is your next step to defeating the narcissist. Learn how to master your boundaries, how to release responsibility for another's emotional response, how to feel the power of your self-sovereignty, free yourself from narcissistic abuse and draw long-lasting, powerful boundaries. Get your free how empaths can draw powerful boundaries. Workshop now at ravenscott.show forward slash free dash workshop. Welcome to the Empath of a Narcissist podcast where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host Raven Scott and I welcome you here the show if you are new and are enjoying this podcast help me help others rate and review take a screenshot and dm me at raven Show on instagram for a free human design reading to answer your pressing questions about the root cause your future and external forces that influence you Today, we are speaking with Gina Dobson, the author of Scapegoat No More. Born and raised in beautiful state of New York, Gina Dobson is the youngest of three girls. Gina attended Johnson C. Smith University, a historical black college in Charlotte, North Carolina, obtaining a bachelor's in communication arts. Soon after graduation, she realized that her passion was advocating for children using her skills taught through her academic training. She began graduate school at Roberts Wesleyan College and received a Master's of Arts in Education. Gina's love of Jesus Christ led her to the completion of the Masters of Divinity from Northeastern Seminary in Rochester, New York, along with completed work towards a degree at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. Her third master's degree was completed in 2018, obtaining a master's of science in educational administration at National University in San Diego, California. As an English teacher, Gina is a Christian, actor, filmmaker, singer, activist, and educator, and now author. Her book, Scapegoat No More, shares ways to understand scapegoating and how to stop it. Hope that you enjoy this conversation. The internet was quite unstable for me today, so I apologize if there's some audio that's kind of glitchy or some sentences are cut off. Cue the conversation. I am joined with a beautiful guest, Gina M. Dobson today. I'm so excited to have her here. Like I said, before we hit record to to join together and the more of us that come together to shine the light and dispel narcissism. I think is a win in my book so thank you so much for being here gina
1: i appreciate you for having me raven thank you so much
0: it is so my pleasure we are talking today about healing from narcissistic abuse seems like a daily thing and we were also kind of jamming about how we love dr Romani. and every time we hear a message from her uh, we kind of get this aha moment and then have to go back to therapy so I mean, it's a goal and a hope and dream that this podcast is as powerful as that to help you as well, really to continue to heal from narcissism, but then also making a difference with your story. Now, you don't have to be as brave as us and writing a book. Gina has written her own book, but even just telling a friend your story can really have a ripple effect. So I wanted yes. to kind of dive into that with you today, Gina, and then um, cover some some things, just basics about narcissism and in your experience.
1: Okay, for sure. Let's go. Yeah, let's
0: do it. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. I would say, what to you is narcissism?
1: So narcissism is actually a personality disorder. There are many, but the one that that rings like one of several types of disorders, it's a mental condition. Now there's contradiction because some say it's not a mental condition, so you can't get therapy. So I looked and I think it's a hybrid. It's a little bit of both. But in my sense, I think it's a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of self. Mm -hmm. Um, Their own importance is far above anybody else's. Uh, There's a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, uh, especially in troubled relationships. They want to have the corner of intellect to try to restore that relationship with them winning at the top. Mm. Uh, And it's basically a lack of empathy for others, right? There's an obsession with self. But behind this mask, there is an extreme confident issue, right? This person actually lives in a place of fragility that's even vulnerable to the slightest criticism. And I know this personally from people that I deal with that have uh, narcissistic personality disorder. And so the relationships, the work, school, and financial affairs are all at risk because the person never takes responsibility. People with narcissistic personality disorder uh, may generally be unhappy and disappointed when they're not given special favor, or admiration because they think they deserve it. They may find their relationships unfulfilling, and others might not enjoy being around them. So they're just, they're really troubled souls.
0: (laughs) The attention and adoration that is poured onto the empath by the narcissist is like a monsoon in a desert. And it feels so good because they've been parched and neglected for so long. This is just one of the many powerful messages from my book, The Empath and the Narcissist, How to Overcome Narcissistic Abuse, Recover from PTSD, Codependency, and Gaslighting Manipulation. A Guide to Heal Childhood Trauma with Effective Exercises. This book contains 20 plus healing resources, guided meditation, exercises, and journal prompts for healing, human design, and astrology concepts. Buy your copy on Amazon today. They are... And a few of our guests have uh, alluded to the fact that they're immature souls. We won't really know until we we go to the other side of the rainbow. But yeah, they are troubled souls, no matter what you believe and what your viewpoint is on that. There, and it is a real problem. I believe systemically, it is not just oh, a absolutely. few people. It is a very high percentage, and I see it, you know, in our systems. I, I really, unfortunately, see it as the root of so many of the troubling things mm-hmm. going
1: on right now, it, you know? Oh yes. Starts, I mean, yeah. like for instance, my book begins with, with, um, I'm sorry I'm launching right into it because you're, you're just, you're firing off all the right go shots for. and it's making me think about the book. Yeah. Go um, what, when, when I wrote it, it, it started out memoir where I started about, you know, talk about my own experiences, but then it birthed out. Um, but I start with, uh, the narcissistic mother in the mm. familial structure who targets the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kid could be very strong and intimidates the mother, so they have to strip them of agency, or the kid is considered awkward geeky and therefore becomes problematic in terms of her parenting. So then she has to shift the blame back to the child. Then comes the triangulation, the mobbing, the co-conspirating with the with the siblings. So that because they know what's going on, they may not have language around it, but they know they don't want to be in that space. So they're willing to work with the mom, typically if that's who it is. To ensure that that targeted child, the scapegoat, is the one that remains at the bottom mm. with no utility, um, and so you know it—it it starts there. But then my book talks about how it—it it goes out into the universe where now we see it in the workplace. I was actually um, a workplace scapegoat. I am a teacher. I was working at a charter school. I—I'm I, very transparent about that. And I hope that my assistant principal and the principal see the book because I wrote it for them as a <laughs> an ode to I'm moving on, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm calling you out. And I'm just every day I was blamed for something. And we know education is a matrix. It's bigger than than the teacher. I mean, it's all of the things that encompass it, you know, from the from the parents to the community or the failure thereof uh to, to the staff to whatever, even that child goes through in their own experiences as they move around the world. I was the one to blame if the audits came back and we weren't in compliance, you know? So there were just Mm -hmm. really a lot of things that really made me feel after a while that maybe it is my fault, even though I know it wasn't because I had been in teaching at that time, 10 years, and always had high evaluations, even from this place that eventually let me go. Mm -hmm. But the mobbing that came where my coworkers turned on me they laughed at me when I walked in work you know into work it was kind of like you know all of a sudden like let's stop when they were gathered around the water cooler Hmm. and I realized my my boss was just the main one was just very jealous of me because she was intimidated by what I brought to the table Mm -hmm. one day telling me you dress too fancy you know just you know always wanting to get into my life in my yeah. story, and it's always, are you married, which is really illegal.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly.
1: It's Burr. so nitpicking.
0: And that's what the narcissists do is a nitpick because they have nothing else to like, really find a flaw in you.
1: <laughs> exactly. Because at the end of the day, it's internal rage. And how do we appropriate that we can't so we misappropriate it to someone we think will take it. Mm. In 18 months of going through this, I was more than happy to be let go. I was severanced and sent home and I didn't care (laughs) you're gonna pay me (laughs) for all of this humiliation (laughs) so you know and then of course we talk (laughs) exactly and then and then my book delves into like the political sphere and I mean I I, this gets tricky because I don't know which side of the line you're on but
0: I'm happy you know, to talk about president. it. I'm not um, anymore. I'm not neutral and afraid to share my opinions. So I am I am always okay, talking cool. about the TRUMP being narcissist. So there's my stand on that. Oh, for you.
1: <laughs> perfect. We're on this, okay. <laughs> Let's do coffee.
0: Everyone. We need to highlight this in the
1: world. I mean, in the dictionary waving his hand, this guy, i mean, to the point that I believe he's sociopathic and psychopathic. So I think he takes narcissism on the, on the next level, he but is. always in you know, my community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's and trendy. even the way that he's functioning now with the January 6th hearings, he's not taking it seriously. And I mean, I think they have a smoking gun to indict and to arrest him. Yeah. Uh, but I, don't, I just think he thinks he's invincible, he's untouchable, yeah. and that his supporters will be with him as so did Jim Jones did when they drank the Kool-Aid in Guyana. But I don't think the followers are going to continue with him because they're beginning to see that they've been duped. But I wonder now if he's going to turn on them, turn on even the rhetoric that he said about COVID-19 and the masking. I wonder if he's going to go against even Ivanka. And these are rhetorical questions, by the way. If he's going to go against Ivanka, Donald Trump Jr., Eric, uh, if he's even going to turn on them. Of course,
0: anybody that threatens him, it doesn't matter if it's his family or not. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, in three different places: family structure, workplace structure, Mm -hmm. and then the political sphere. And Mm -hmm. and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. And so that's that's why I felt a compunction to write the book and to just delve a little more into it.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. It's so needed. Yes. And this experience, it really puts a fire under our buns. And I always talk about, you know, the empath is actually the brightest light the most you know as high as we can even though we have a lot more evolving to do emotionally intelligent and we have a lot of Absolutely. hope and we have a lot of uh, positivity and so they're drawn to that because they wish they had that but at the same time they're right. jealous of it so that's why we're strong enough to deal with them and then when we do we're like oh well there's no not talking about it like this needs to be changed like no matter if i tell my whole neighborhood. Or if I tell a whole audience on a podcast or write a book, it doesn't matter. Like someone's going to hear about it.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, even liars want to be told the truth, you Mm -hmm. know, but then when they're told the truth and they don't know how to deal with it, because with accountability comes responsibility to ameliorate the ways, to, to, to amend the ways. And that's tricky because remember, I don't have any problems. So that's the tension that happens. Yeah, You know, and so I, I just, you know, I wonder if, if they're, you know, if they can ever be cured. And that's kind of like what I'm working on now, you know, because and again, it goes back to the contradiction of, you know, my initial research, which is it's mental health, but then it's not, but now I'm finding it is. So, you know, how do we deal with this? We don't know what it is, because if we don't know what it is in terms of mental health, if it's character disorder, how then do we treat it? So that's kind mm-hmm. of like the research that I'm doing next.
0: Ooh, that sounds amazing. And it's very similar to what, um, our guest two episodes ago talked about Nikki Eisenhower. She is a professional psychotherapist and she talked about how that field, and this might be something to kind of trigger your study is so focused on the self, right? Like so focused on the victim, the one person in therapy, but when that victim goes back out into their environment, their work, their family, their love partnerships, they are bombarded with this toxic environment and the environment mm-hmm. is never addressed in therapy. And that's what she really likes to focus on is it's just to reassure you that you're not crazy, right? Because when we're surrounded by all this behavior and gaslighting, we start to feel crazy. Like we're the only ones seeing the alien in the room and no one else is,
1: right? Right, right. And 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 then also I think too, um, a lot of relationships are enmeshed. Um, that relationships like mother child or sister sister, whatever you know, or sister friend, whatever that is, where they become so codependent that they literally feel each other's pain, even if it's dysfunctional, and they hold each other together dysfunctionally and not hold each other accountable. They're not individuated. They don't have their own, you know, own personality that they can say. I'm going to do intervention. I see something wrong with you without getting trapped and saying, well, maybe it is me. Maybe I I, I did misread. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that, you know, the codependent piece, the enmeshment piece makes it very hard to to, to, to bring that person to a place to even have the conversations to, of, of self-assessment.
0: I, I 100% I'm going through that right now where I am on the one receiving end. I'm trying to hold this person accountable. I've had multiple times but I'm always called out being the one throwing the temper tantrum or the one who's crazy, or they're in shock that I even think this, and it's never fixed because it doesn't want to be on the other side. Then once you try and hold them accountable, that enmeshment gets detached, and then it's just like disconnect, neglect, right. and abandonment.
1: Yeah. And, and to and to that point, I think it's because they have a hard time regulating their emotional behavior, Yeah, right? Because they've time. been branded. They've probably been entitled since they were five. I see the narcissist as the the one that started at five years old in the grocery store sitting in the basket saying, I want that cereal and not being told, this is my money you get, which my parents told us, we get, (laughs) you get what we pay for until you make your own money. But, you know, and then throwing the temper tantrum when they don't get the right cereal or going to school and the teacher's always wrong, even though little Johnny or Jill came to school late. And missed the assignment. So, mm-hmm. never, if those, you know, there were never ever, they experienced major problems growing up, you know, where they have problems dealing with stress and adapting to change because they've never had to, you know, work around and accommodate people that are checking them on their behavior and saying, you know, yeah, I, I need to do it another way. They've never done it. Yeah. And from what I read about Donald Trump, I guess he had even, and I mean, I hope I don't get sued for this, but I think I had read or heard that he had issues as a child. And I think he, he had to like go to a different school and that kind of thing. So I, I don't think he was ever checked.
0: Right. Yeah, right. I so mean, his, it, his his father, father was seeing. already extremely wealthy. So his, his children were perfect. And so it was always the other person's issue, not holding. I think I wrote down responsibility is the word for no matter how rich mm-hmm. or poor you are with this narcissistic behavior, that child was never taught responsibility. And so as they grow, they think they don't need to take any. And then it gets locked in at 18 and then they really don't need to take any and it's everyone else's fault.
1: Yeah. I would call that cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Right. Which is like a state of um, of of inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, uh, attitudes, especially relating to behavioral decisions and attitude changes. They don't they don't have a connection with that. They just think it's always someone else that it's not them they're just so disassociated so
0: yeah they are literally living in their own little universe and they're not down in reality (laughs)
1: like no utopian we're dystopian they're utopian (laughs) yeah
0: it's it's just incredible so i love the thought too like can it be cured do you have an idea of maybe it can't be cured in those who it's set in, but can it be cured in our systems and for the future?
1: If you're talking amount of racism that we see within black and brown communities versus the communities of dominant color, mm-hmm. I think that there are, you know are rules like the EEOC that ensures that there's equity uh, for people that are experiencing. Those those bigotries, right? It, and even you know those in the other other groups like L B G T Q and women, you know the protected classes, that there are laws to ensure that there's equality. So I think whether or not someone wants to be a narcissist and hold down these people, there are laws that are going to work for the people that are empaths or those that work in that are, are encompass the protected classes, so that you know, it has to change. Even if they don't want to, they're gonna be forced to, right? So, you know, even if I had chosen the the opposite to not severance and to sue my boss, who's a narcissist, Mm -hmm. it would have shifted her reality to some degree because had she been found guilty, then she could have been let go. But I just didn't want to go through that. I felt the best way of course of action was to severance. But yeah, so I think that there are institutional policies that hold narcissism accountable, um, but it, you know it's 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 a tricky question. I mean, like narcissistic abuse is is so obscure that you don't even know where to begin. Like it's it's mm-hmm. like taking paint and splattering at the wall, and then just trying to figure out <laughs> the different colors and 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 trying to figure out what that all means in the grand scheme. I don't know, but I know that I think you know being able to try to at least help the person to understand that what they're doing is hurting other people without being accusational. Maybe that could be a way in which to introduce having some kind of therapeutic protocols versus saying you're doing this, you're doing that. Not saying that all of a sudden, they're going to have a come to Jesus moment. Talk to them and say, you know what, I thought it was just me, but I'm hearing from other people that they're being affected by your, you know, what you're bringing into the room and its energy that Really is making people uncomfortable. I mean, at some point there could be self-awareness. I don't. Be- I won't completely give up. I'm narcissist. I just don't put all of my stock that they will change.
0: <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it. Yes, I was like, she sounds like me. So hopeful and so joyous. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, yeah, I've tried that. I've tried that, and uh, they've pretty much said what I wanted to hear, and then they didn't change their behavior. So yeah. yeah. But I, I really Definitely. like the idea of ha- holding the hope. And I think it, it, for me, I find it being in like how we raise our children.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and
0: recognizing those narcissistic tendencies in children young to be able to, you know, stop it, eradicate it. And if it's not your child and your child experiencing one, teaching your child about it. So when they become of age, they're smart enough, they have businesses, whatever. They immediately know, you know, I think the power right now is there's still so much cloud. Like there are still so many supporters of Trump because there's still a Uh. huge amount of cloud that people believe the narcissist charm. But if we start young and teach them what it is, once they get to that of age, they'll be like, oh, this guy is ridiculous. And he would never have even gotten that far. Right.
1: Right yeah they're definitely drinking the kool-aid 75 million americans are drinking the kool-aid of Donald trump and that is frightening to me It is. and when yeah. i even think about you know these latest even yesterday in chicago and highland park mm. another right winger yeah went into a crowd killed people arrested without any issue
0: yeah arrested without being shot down <laughs> like <laughs> such, a, such a double standard right
1: a young black male gets killed yeah right gets killed i forget where it is and he ran in 60 bullets akron ohio that's where it is and you know it was riddled in his body and Mm -hmm. so i can't help by wondering if the police because we do know what the the wealth of police and i'm not talking about the money i'm talking about meaning the majority of police they they voted for donald trump they they believe in donald trump so they're expressing their hate in the groups that he talks about in mm-hmm. the inconsistency of that through the judicial processing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what do, we, what do we do with that?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's unjust. And that man who ran, that black man, he was unarmed. He left his gun. I think he had one, but he left it in the car.
1: In the so, car, right. yeah,
0: it's, And then the other white male who who targeted African Americans in that grocery store. He, mm-hmm. he, that would have never been like he survived and got arrested oh, if no. it was, you know, an African American.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's
0: the double standard that really shows that the foundation has some right. narcissism uh, infiltrated into it, right? Whatever right. works for us is for us. It's that.
1: Power. Exactly. And then you bring in, and I say this at the risk of being a Christian, because I don't believe this is the Christianity that Jesus died for, but the Christianity that's, that's made up by white evangelicalism. But when you look at how they support Donald Trump.
0: No, it's disgusting. It puts a bad name on Christianity, to be honest, because that's not Jesus would not have
1: advocated for
0: this this at all. No,
1: not. Yeah, not at all. And so the church is an institution, the Mm -hmm. police Policing is an institution, so mm-hmm. when you mesh those together, that just supports the demon of because it's it's unpacking what we're trying to accomplish through our connection and and bringing that into the world and having further uh, conversations. Because uh, I think at the truncated level, people are having it, you know, at, you know, at the coffee stop. But I think we really need to start putting on workshops and really deal with this and holding our foot to the fire with people, making sure that are in position and telling them this has to stop. We have to have uh, police and, you know, like get rid of qualified immunity, fire Mm -hmm. these cops, make them lose their pensions because a lot of this is narcissistic behavior. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There has to be consequences. And this, this connection to the scapegoat and the narcissism that kind of pawns all of these issues off onto the scapegoat?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, for the scapegoat, you get blamed for everything that goes wrong. Your uh, your abuser projects their own behaviors onto you. Uh, the verbal abuse never stops. Your successes and achievements are downplayed. I know that personally, uh, the abuse is ignored by others. Those are the triangular views in the co-conspirators. Um, and then the abuse might go beyond and let's say if someone's getting it in a family system it may go even beyond that where the family is then talking about that child to neighbors to to members in the church to wherever that child enters and so then now they're feeling the shade and the shame from those and so then that community of abusers is getting strengthened so mm-hmm. yeah they, they it's 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 horrible um and i again in which this impacts is going we're going to be able to just live little by little but yeah there's definitely and that's why i also wrote about scapegoating is that it's hard to, to to tease and parse out scapegoating from narcissism i think they're inextricably tied at some point even if it's at the base level absolutely
0: yeah yeah and the scapegoat you know is kind of conditioned to do so as a child because they also want to fit into the village it's a human instinct to not be cast out um, right. So instead of leaving or fighting back, they just go, okay, yeah, sure. It was me. I'm sorry. And so they're constantly apologizing.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. It's like, even if I'm the family punching bag, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. You know, even if I know the truth about myself and I'm not so awful, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. Right. So I just don't think they want to be isolated from others. And usually, you, you know, you know, at that age, you know, you're going through the, you know, the id, ego, super ego. You're going through your own, figuring out who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Sigmund Freud talks about it and, and Piaget and all of those. You're trying to figure out the stages you go through. And so if you're not being able to complete those stages because of all of this smut that's coming in through scapegoating, then it's going to be hard. And therefore, it's just like, let me just go with it while I don't know who I am until I know who I am. And then I can figure out what do I do and how do I reach out? to rescue myself because my mother's no longer my savior.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Nor was she ever, but we're always taught. We feel that in our body that she's supposed to be safe. And so she is safe, but when they're not, that's really, really difficult. I was going to ask you, so how does that, you know, scapegoat child, how does that manifest into their adulthood?
1: Well, I, I, that's an excellent question. My scapegoat place, you know, and not from home, but for those that I've counseled as a member of the clergy, that they didn't realize it until they were like 30 years old and they said, hey, I've never dated, you know, or I couldn't keep a job for more than two months. The inconsistencies that normalized kids go through is being consistent, holding a job for 10 years, going to college, having friends, they find themselves manifesting the isolation, not being able to have social skills to even fit in, kind of awkward, just um, low self-esteem, um, always being um, a do-gooder, not expecting anything in return, um, paying other people's bills before they pay their own. Like the, it's so, but then, the, but here's the contradiction: that then they're considered to be irresponsible if they lose their homes, if they lose their their jobs because they're doing putting other people first of course these things are going to happen so then that is the period behind the statement that 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 the abuser have been saying about them all the all the long, even though the community doesn't know the bigger story so they manifest their low self-esteem and it broadens into something that's super unhealthy when they get older mm-hmm. because they're not autonomous somehow they're still, and I think then they become enmeshed with their parent because even though they understand that their parent intuitively, and even when they begin to develop some kind of understanding at the same time, again, enmeshment means that the lines are so blurred, they don't know how to get out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, so to be able to break those connections because it's now intuitive. It's now a part of that person's own self-efficacy. Mm. I know I sound like a frog. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) listeners. Jam while
0: you, while you can recover your vocal cords.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It,
0: it, I can see, you know, when you say the word scapegoat, I can see a a pattern specifically in my life, someone close to me. And it, I think it has also affected almost like, like you say, like there are certain parts in the developmental process of a child that is necessary to have emotional intelligence And I think that it's affected that emotional intelligence to be able to have healthy connections. Like I'm always yearning for a healthy connection with this person, but it just isn't there because she still isn't fully healed from it. She hasn't fully recognized it. She'll call herself for sure. She's a scapegoat, but to heal from it is a huge challenge for her. It's kind of like almost become her identity. So having healthy connections, even with their own children, I think can be, really difficult and almost make it to where sometimes their child might think, well, they are narcissistic because it's almost like just because they don't have that emotional connection similar to where a
1: narcissist has no empathy. Wow. That's a brilliant connection. Oh my gosh. So they can kind of mirror each other though. The the construction of each is, is vastly different.
0: Yeah. And though they can, when they're present, kind of be there for you when they're going through their mental unhealth, which is kind of constant and maybe they're distant or maybe they don't call as much because they're still in that scapegoat mentality. It's like, oh, well, she doesn't want to hear from me or she doesn't really like Mm -hmm. me, but it's like all of these automatic negative thoughts in their head. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing that I was just processing and Kind of had at at an aha moment when you were speaking about it.
1: I think I'm going to add that to my research and give you the credit.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, thank you. And I hope it helps others because it is difficult. Sometimes you think, gosh, I have two narcissistic parents, but what if it's one is a narcissist and the other is a scapegoat. And they, they like you say they mirror their behaviors very similarly, but they're different.
1: Yeah. Right. Hmm. Right. That's, that's one to
0: ponder. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, Always learning, you guys. And we're here for you. We're literally brainstorming for you as we're talking. So, Absolutely. <laughs> we've talked about the mental health and the scapegoat and narcissism. We've even had some juicy politics in here for you guys. Hopefully <laughs> to shine some light on this. Yeah. Is there any other thoughts from your book that's really you want to get out to the public and convey that they need to hear?
1: Just basically that there's hope. And my book speaks about the various types of therapy for the scapegoat. And all of it leads to really the fact that you have to go and know that that narcissist may not change. And how did, so you're actually going to grieve a person that's living, realizing that they're not going to be the person that you fantasize to become. Yep. So they so right. <laughs> so there are different therapies in there. then I do, you know, there's a lot of spiritual disciplines because I understand not everybody's Christian, and that's fine. We're in a beautiful country that you could be anything you want or not even be at all. Yeah. So but you know, being able to, you know, meditate yoga and being able to be worthy. And so there's a lot of spiritual disciplines in that.
0: Can you repeat that last sentence? Meditate yoga.
1: Oh yeah, meditate yoga in spiritual disciplines, reading books, different videos, whatever it takes. You know, like we were talking about Dr. Romani and how I even watched her and to the degree that I jumped back in therapy. So, (laughs) you know, just different protocols that can be used, but the key thing is not expecting the other person to change, not giving up hope as you and I talked about, but not letting that be the precursor to whether or not we get the healing we deserve. Mm,
0: Exactly. It's like um, putting your hope in something outside of yourself. You're always going to be disappointed.
1: right? Absolutely. Because we we can't control them. No.
0: I just wrote all those things down because I think it's important because that was my next question is how as a scapegoat do we start to heal? You know, thinking of this person with whom I can't help her, um, but she is her, her own person. But I can say if I was able to talk to her, here are these things. And what I know from her still is that She's a Christian, but it almost stops there and I love how you go deeper. That you can be a Christian and meditate. You can be a Christian and do yoga and that's perfectly fine. Like that's not like you're worshipping some idol by doing yoga.
1: Right. And and you know, it's 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 so interesting how the church is so divided on that and even myself because I think, you know, in my faith and I love being a Christian, I, I tried to perform for God and God told me, you don't have to perform for me. I already did it. I already did the work at the cross. We're good. <laughs> That's why I give you grace when you mess up. Right. <laughs> so my yoga is meditating to Jesus Christ. Someone else is maybe, you know, yoga to someone else, but it's just find ch- who and letting the spiritual realm get in. You're getting rid of and sloughing off all of the things that, that, that brought you to an abuse space.
0: Mm. So, beautiful
1: it's very important to always reflect mm-hmm. it is yeah yes. I, I I always meditate I think that's why I love staying home because I'm always reflecting mm-hmm. yeah self-assessing and all of that so yeah it's super yeah. important
0: yeah it is it is it is it gives you clarity this has been beautiful. I yes, really, truly absolutely. enjoyed this conversation with you, Gina. Thank you for coming onto the podcast and sharing your expertise and sharing your beautiful light and your book.
1: Oh, you. I appreciate it. And it takes one to know one because you equally, if not more, have just given us space and you've allowed us to feel free that we can be autonomous and, and feel comfortable. But I appreciate your beauty and and just what you're doing to try to get people to a healthy space. And in times like this, we need it more than we ever did. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And where can people find you? Yes. Yeah,
1: so my website is stop no com. And then if you want to go to Facebook, it's at stop scapegoat no more At instagram is at gina has overcome and is okay. restored so those are the three platforms
0: and we'll have all those links in the show notes so if for some reason it glitched those links are in the show notes just tap the picture and slide up and all the notes are there okay good all right everybody hold on to your hope hold on to your hats we are in the pluto return yeah. of the u.s so we have a lot of work to do and a lot of light to shine so remember Always keep your unique light shining.
1: i feel so lost never at home need to be strong every breath hold cause i can't move